0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, there is a scene on Easter morning, according to John's gospel, there is a scene on Easter morning when Peter and John are running toward the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene had reported that the tomb was empty, Peter and John are running to the tomb. John gets there first, but Peter goes inside first. And the story, which is named after John, named for John after all, (laughs) tells us that Peter saw, but that John saw and believed. That scene is a great example of Peter. It is So typical of Peter, Peter is always eager to jump in, to be the first one to jump in. We heard him, we heard three weeks ago about how he jumped overboard to walk on water with Jesus. Peter always jumps in, but he doesn't entirely understand what he has gotten himself into. Peter is rash. I will never deny you, he said three times at the Last Supper. But when things get tough, Peter tends to wimp out. So Peter gets mixed reviews in the New Testament by just about everyone. John's Gospel makes fun of Peter with a droll sense of humor. The Apostle Paul bellows in anger about Peter in the letter to the Galatians. After Jesus' work was completed, Peter emerged as the first key leader of Christianity, which is part of why so many New Testament writers felt compelled to comment about Peter. There are undeniably some good things about him, and there are undeniably some bad things about Peter, including this frosty exchange between Jesus and Peter in today's Gospel reading. When Jesus exclaims, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. A famous event, so famous that we'll hear it again. We'll hear Mark's version of this story at the end of February during the 2018 season of Lent. Peter has once again rushed in. If you were here last Sunday, you heard how he, Peter, was the first to recognize who Jesus really is. And at that moment, Peter was blessed by Jesus. On this rock, I will build my church. But in today's gospel reading, Peter has rushed in, we find out, and jumped into the deep water, identifying Jesus but failing to understand the implications. There is a new thing in Jesus but in jesus we learn we have to sacrifice ourselves we learn the cost of discipleship we learn that this is not an easy road those who want to save their life will lose it jesus has been straightforward about this all along he said it back to- In the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We heard those words on January 29th. Do you remember? Could you take notes? The Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is rated in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Peter had heard those words months earlier. We heard those words months ago, but it's tough to live those words. It's difficult to trust Jesus, to trust God, when we lose ground, when doing the right thing costs us something. The writer of today's gospel, Matthew, has carefully presented Peter's predicament in direct connection to something called the church. If you were here last Sunday, you remember you may remember that I said that Matthew alone among those four gospel writers, Matthew alone uses the word church. On this rock, I will build my church. Those are words that occur only in Matthew. Matthew connects Peter and church in a significant way. Peter's choices, the things he has to decide, are the church's choices, the things that the church has to decide. Peter's likely mistakes are the church's likely mistakes. Peter's victories are the church's victories. Church is a particular word in the New Testament. I'm going to dwell on this for a couple of minutes, so get out your pencils. No, you don't have to get out your pencils. But Church, the word church, like I said, is only used by Matthew among the four Gospels, and only very carefully and seldom in Matthew. The word must be understood in its Greek meaning and also in its relationship to Hebrew from the Old Testament. The Greek word ecclesia, from which we get the word ecclesiastical, in greek it means literally called out so for greek speakers ecclesia is a very civic word it's a mediterranean word for citizens who are called out to a town assembly to come out into the public square and meet and deliberate and make decisions so ecclesia is a very civic word it is a very public word The called out assembly, called out of our homes, called out of our private lives and into the public realm. An ecclesia is the Greek word used to translate the Old Testament word, the Hebrew word, the Jewish word, kahal, which means in the Old Testament, assembly, company, congregation, or convocation. It has this sense, in the Old Testament, that of being the people that God has gathered. God has gathered up out of Egypt, a people God has gathered and that God has bonded with in a covenant. So again, it's a collective group publicly identified with God's program. What I want you to understand is that there are believers, there are communities, there are good people, there is spirituality, there is prayer, there is love. God's activity pervades and saturates the whole creation. So somebody is sitting next to their pool right now, praising God, and that's a good thing. But the church is the identified body, the identified agency of God. The church is the public expression of Christ and Christianity, which is a great responsibility and a great duty. So for example, I'm a taxpayer and a voter and a citizen who obeys and upholds the law. I think most of you are too but a police officer is the public expression of the law and the voters and the taxpayers. The uniformed police officer is the body and the agency of a society that lives by law. So the police officer in uniform must behave in a way that reflects that responsibility and that duty. Now the New Testament has a lot of words to describe Christians. I'm going to give you some of them because there's a lot of ways that we are described. The hagion, which means the saints, the adelphos, which means the brothers and sisters, the koinonia, which means the fellowship, the communion, the plethos. <laughs> the plethos, which means the multitude or the crowd or the mob. Particularly appropriate when I'm thinking about Lutherans. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The mathetai, which means followers, what was in today's gospel. The followers, usually translated as disciples. And even Christians, that's a Greek word, Christians, which on some literal level means the anointed ones. So the Bible has a lot of words to describe the people in this room. But one of those words, ecclesia, church, means the designated agency, the uniformed body, the public expression. And like that uniformed police officer, with that role comes great responsibility and great duty. The church does things publicly and in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is serious business. That's different than the person who's sitting by the pool quietly praising God and having a glass of wine. Sounds good. Labor Day weekend, let's do that after church. What I want you to see this morning is that this episode with Peter today is the second of four consecutive gospel readings from Matthew that pertain to being church, because the church has authority, which a lot of people, including a lot of Christians, want to deny, and with that authority comes responsibility and duty and accountability. And you can't act like a jerk, Peter, when you have that kind of authority and responsibility. And in this four-week sequence, the first Sunday, last Sunday, was the giving of authority. Doesn't get any stronger than that, but then we get the checks and balances that will assure responsibility in the use of that authority. Today, I gave you a little chart in your service folder. Today, Jesus reverses what he said to Peter last week because whenever Peter, and by extension the church, seeks worldly power, then it betrays the son of the living God and becomes, Jesus' words, satanic. Matthew's Gospel is the New Testament book most concerned with the abuse of religious authority. We are in the year of Matthew. So this is the year for us Christians to be thinking about what it means to be church and what it means to have authority and what it means to abuse authority. If you want to see the definitive critique of the abuse of religious authority, it is in Matthew. In chapter 23, it is Jesus speaking out against the Pharisees. But the Pharisees could just as easily be Christian church leaders, which is part of what Jesus is talking about. Pharisees, he's criticizing them viciously, because they deserve it, in Matthew chapter 23. I love Matthew twenty. so I had to look to see, why don't I ever get to preach on Matthew chapter 23? It turns out, it falls on a day when we observe All Saints Sunday. So I have to do other stuff on that Sunday. But maybe this year I'll move it to an adjacent Sunday so I can give Hellfire and Brimstone to religious authority. But go read it if you can. It's absolutely brilliant. Matthew chapter 23. Jesus really (laughs) giving it to him. When our presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, when she became bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, she asserted that it was time for us to focus on our identity because we do not have the resources and the time to be all things to all people. And she gave us four statements to reflect upon, to talk about with each other, to talk about with her. Those four statements are, we are church, we are Lutheran, we are church together, we are church for the sake of the world. Just the first one, we are church. For Bishop Eaton, that clarifies that we are not a business. We are not a charity like the United Way. We are not a political party. We are not a bridge club. We are not a country club. We are church. That's what she wants to emphasize. When I reflect upon those words, as I have attempted to do with you this morning, I think of the unique meaning of that word ecclesia that we are the public expression the designated agency the uniformed body that has been granted special authority by christ and that we cannot shirk that authority but nor can we ever tolerate the abuse of spiritual authority even in someone as venerable as saint peter amen